Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Ross Martin, Sherelle McMillan, and Greg Barnes. You're listening to the Inside Carolina radio show, sponsored by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill going to talk a little basketball i know it's uh state carolina week but it's also north carolina basketball week big week coming up thanksgiving or thanksgiving night carolina and texas out in vegas and then the winner of that plays either michigan state or ucla ross and greg heading that way to cover the tar heels out in vegas uh work work trip quote unquote ross i'll start with you carolina's started the season off well They've looked good at times. They've looked a little sloppy at times, playing to the level of the competition at times. Your overall thoughts on what you've seen thus far this season? Yeah, I think it's been, you know, kind of pedestrian. I don't know if there's, there's like the super hype that maybe the team down the road has. Um, there hasn't been any huge performances, but I think the main thing to note is how well Cameron Johnson's playing. I think that's the clear, obvious takeaway. He's he's shooting well. He's playing very efficient. Um, just yesterday, watching him play against St. Francis, you saw him make offensive moves that you hadn't seen him make before. Um, just being able to do more things with his body and with his mobility on drives and kind of in the paint, um, adding to his game. And combine that with kind of the shooting that we knew he could do and the consistency and the efficiency, and that's kind of the, I guess, the main offensive storyline um, for UNC so far. Um, you know, I think this team at times hasn't been as focused. There have been some turnover issues, some defensive lapses, kind of the normal things you expect early in the season against lesser competition. They haven't had to turn it on um, because of who they've played. They handled Stanford easily, and then, of course, the – the other four lesser opponents, I mean, Wofford, I guess, was the, the toughest game they had to start the season. when They really got tested in the second half. But uh, Thursday and Friday, and then looking ahead to Michigan, they're going to be tested for sure. And we'll see how this team handles that when they're, you know, tied with a, a few minutes to go or they're down in the second half and how this team responds. But you've got to like, um, you know, how Kobe White, Leaky Black, and Nasir, Nasir Little have kind of adjusted and what they've done in spurts and flashes. And then Seventh Woods has been very consistent and seems to have evolved into a very, very quality backup point guard and splitting time with, with Kobe White, to be honest. And, and that's, uh, I think, really positive for UNC moving forward. Um, so those would be my major takeaways right now. I know those are pretty general and across the board, but I'm obviously looking forward to seeing what Sherelle and Greg have to say. Sherelle, you're next up. I, I certainly agree on the Cameron Johnson deal. I thought I think he's looked fantastic for North Carolina, and I I also agree on seventh. I mean, we've banged on seventh for two years running now, and he's looked far better than anything we've seen thus far. Uh, your thoughts, Sherelle? Well, you know, <clears throat> Roy Williams has always said that no one has seen the seventh woods that he saw when he was recruiting him for so long, and I still don't think that seventh woods is going to show up or maybe will ever show up, but what we kind of have is like a, a 1.5, 2.0 situation where when seventh was in the game before, he always seemed like he was kind of out of control, just kind of running down the court and, and trying to make something happen, whereas now he's very relaxed, he's very calm. 
Um, <clears throat> it's like he comes into the game and he kind of calms everything down. Um, and that comes with maturity. That comes with being an upperclassman. So, I, you know, he's he's played well. I think, you know, the jury's kind of still out because I want to see what he does against better competition. But through five games, I, I think um, Rowan's going to ask for more from him. For me, kind of the biggest story is um, – there's been some leakage on the defense. Uh, you know, they can't really play defense consistently, it seems like. They'll be really bad for a half and then really good for a half and then really bad for a half and then really good for a half and so on and so forth. And as the competition begins to ramp up here over the next you know, week, 10 days, really, you know, the rest of the season, basically, because it gets serious from here on out, um, they're going to have to be more consistent on the defensive end. I mean, there's so many times over the last few games where you've just seen shooters wide open, nobody within – three or four feet uh, of them. And, you know, I think they can get better. I think that's something that can improve, but it's going to take time. So that's one thing I'm looking for. And then on the other side, uh, I still don't think they've played a 100% clean offensive game, which is funny to say because they've scored 100 or more points, I think, three of the last four games. So they still can get better offensively, um, be more efficient, take better shots. So those are the kind of stuff I'm looking at. I think thus far they they've done what you expected them to do, which is win – and uh, win pretty handily. Yeah, Sherelle, to your point, 98.6 points a game thus far for Carolina this season, certainly pushing the ball. But, Greg, your thoughts overall? Yeah, I agree with, with Sherelle's approach there. And I think you have to be careful reading too much into these early games. I mean, North Carolina is winning by an average of 30 points a game. And I know they've they've had some stretches. I mean, Wofford clearly was a good game. Uh, and then St. Francis – Pushed them a little bit there at the beginning of the second half. But I really think you, Roy Williams, of course, because it's his job and it's what he does, he's going to nitpick every single thing because he wants these guys to get better. I think as observers from outside the program, we have to understand that Roy does what Roy's going to do. He's going to coach them up. They're going to get better. So what we're looking at really is, okay, what – what do we have here in the making? What's the potential of this team? And I, I think when you look at this team offensively, I mean, good gracious, they got a lot of guys that can score the ball. And like Cam Johnson said after the game the other night, they're nowhere near to the point where everybody's comfortable with one another. But yet what you're seeing already is you know, one guy will step up one night, another guy will step up another night, you know, Nas will have a good game, Kobe will score 16. Uh, Cam, will, you know, he had 20 against St. Francis. Francis didn't even seem like he scored that much after that initial burst. And so you're getting scoring from a lot of different options. And once they kind of round in the form and they really start to understand you know, where they like to receive the ball, how they like to uh, catch it in transition, you know, all those types of things that come with playing with one another, they're only going to get better offensively. Uh, and so I think it's a, uh, a situation where you have to like what you see offensively. Defensively, they've looked good in stretches. I thought you know, Wofford being the best game thus far, uh, I thought they looked really good against Wofford. And even though that was the freshman's first game, I thought they played with a lot of intensity defensively. And I just have a hard time, you know, giving the, the team kind of a hard time against like Stanford when you're up 26 at halftime. Uh, for, for not, you know, kind of keeping your your offensively in the second half. I understand that's what you should do. You should strive to do it. But at this point of the season, I don't think it's that big of a deal. So I'm looking more, you know, when the game actually matters, 
what do you do? And you look at the St. Francis game. St. Francis cut it to 58-52. What's North Carolina do after that media timeout? They come out, they go on an 11-0 run, and part of that's because they forced a couple turnovers and had some good defensive possessions. And so those are more the things that I'm looking for at this point in the year. Now, as we get into Vegas and we get into these games over the next you know, month, or, month or so, you're going to have to start putting those little sections of the game together for longer stretches because uh, you can't you can't half-ass it against Texas or against Michigan or UCLA or Michigan State or whoever, or you'll get beat. Uh, but I think the fact that you know, when they've needed to, they've done a pretty good job of it. I think that speaks a lot to, to the potential of this team. Yeah, and I think you know, we talked about the scoring balance of this team, and it has all the makings of a traditional UNC, Roy Williams coached, balanced scoring team. Right now, five players are averaging in double, double digits, but Kenny Williams isn't even close to double digits with, with 5.8 points per game. And we know he can score. We know he's going to at some point have a breakout game and knock down three or four threes. Um, and once he starts getting hot and the ball starts flying to the basket, um, you're going to have another guy in that double-digit range. Random points. I think Sterling Manley, another guy not in double figures, has the potential to to get into that range at times. I think he's had kind of a weird start to the season. Um with Sterling Manley and Garrison Brooks, I think it's important to kind of dive into um, those two players as well because they've had both have had very quiet games, uh, quiet kind of starts to the season outside of Brooks's game against Wofford. And I think this UNC team is going to have to have big-time performances from those two big men uh, in the key games in order for this team to get where they want to be because no really good UNC team ha- has been able to to do anything without a, a dominant offensive uh, and, and defensive big man. And so I think that's interesting to to kind of dive into. So the balance scoring there and then the development of these big men, Brooks and Manley, is going to be important to, to, uh, to look at. One thing I want to point out from the St. Francis game is that Nasir Little got his first taste of playing the four spot. And at ACC Media Day, Roy Williams mentioned they were going to start having Cam Johnson being the four in the smaller lineups and then ease in the Sear Little into the four spot. I, I thought that meant maybe ACC play, uh, maybe 10, 20 games into the season. But here, five games into his freshman uh, career, the Sear Little is already getting time at the four. And you saw how that changed his offensive approach. Um, down low with the and one, I think he had back-to-back and ones in the second half, and then some of his play down low, just being quicker, more athletic, and having the size down low to bang was overwhelming for the St. Francis team, and he used the word dangerous, the fact that he could do a lot against bigger players and then outsize uh, smaller players. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch when this transition is made for Nasir Little to where he plays more for and what happens with Brooks and Manley who I think um, have been kind of overlooked in these first five games outside of that one performance against uh, against Wofford, which was great from Garrison Brooks. Perfect time for me to step in right here and talk about Jersey Mike subs of Chapel Hill. Are you heading to Chapel Hill for a basketball game? Hills have a, a lot of ball games here in the next couple of weeks. The schedule thins out a little bit, but there's several home games, and you can take advantage of this special offer for Inside Carolina Podcast listeners. Go to jerseymikes.com front slash order 
It'll show the locations nearest you when you're in the Chapel Hill area. Check out the Chapel Hill area stores that includes Hillsborough and that includes the new Chatham County store. Click on your order, pick out your favorite sub at checkout, enter Hills 15 and get 15% off your order. It's good, like I said, only for those Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations. And it's good for Inside Carolina podcast listeners. So you skip the line, you head straight to the register and grab your food and you're on your way. Do it today. Go online. Place an online order at those convenient Chapel Hill locations. JerseyMikes.com slash order. Enter the code HEELS15. Get your 15% off that whole order. Roll in. Grab your food. Roll out. Save some money. HEELS15 at JerseyMikes.com. Support the Inside Carolina podcast. Support Jersey Mike subs of Chapel Hill. Let me ask you this, Sherelle, and Greg, you can chime in as well, Ross as well. Are we still in a situation where Roy Williams um, takes what he gets from Brooks and Manley and maybe even Huffman and counts that as one guy? Because you remember last year, Sherelle, we talked a lot about if 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 he can get uh, Manley and Brooks to average you know, 12 or 13 and 10, combined and that's exactly what he's looking for out of their big men are we beyond that point or is it still a similar situation and the what ross's comments is it's leading me to believe that nasir little um, may sooner than later perhaps be starting at the four spot and moving one of those guys well i guess brooks since he's been starting moving brooks to coming off the bench but what's your thoughts there sherelle yeah i think we're past that um, and you know, this is not any disrespect. It is not any disrespect to anybody. And of course, when you say that, you're going to say something maybe not so flattering, but Nasir Leto is a better basketball player right now than Garrison Brooks. It's early mainly that's not breaking news or anything. Whereas last year, there really weren't any other options for North Carolina's roster to, um, come in and play. It was basically the, you know, the starting five. And then once they lost Jaleek Felton, everybody else kind of played spot minutes, but they really struggled, um, with, uh, you know, points off the bench. They struggled with just minutes off the bench, really. And so this year, um, they have a couple more players who are um, can do a, a lot of things. who can be a little more versatile. And, you know, Roy Williams last year had to get production from, from them. This year, I don't think he has to. It'd be a nice to have. It would make North Carolina that much better. But I think that Leakey and Nasir, um, Brandon Robinson to some degree, um, Luke and Cam can kind of make up for what they would typically get from the big men. So um, I think they're on the clock, so to speak. And if there's not improvement soon, then I think you'll see the switch. And I, I think you'll see the minutes kind of start to creep up uh, for Nasir. Um, it's going to happen regardless, but I think you'll, it'll happen sooner because it, it's a weird schedule for UNC this year. They're going to play four games in December. So there's not going to be those over the break tune-ups to kind of get the kinks out for lack of a better term. Um, you know, they go <clears throat> these two games, then to Michigan, and then you're off to your Gonzaga and your Kentucky and, you know, that stretch. So um, I, I think this year might happen a little earlier than it did last year. I think Sherelle hit on the key point in that if you, if you look at what we've really talked about to start the year, what have been the good stories? Cam Johnson, obviously, well, that was kind of to be expected. But the other two main storylines that were a little bit unexpected was the play of Leaky Black. I mean, we knew what to expect with Nasir and, and Kobe, but Leaky's played very well, and he's playing at the three, and then Seventh Woods. So now you're talking about, okay, so you have a legitimate backup point guard now. 
you have another legitimate wing player with Leaky Black, now all of a sudden you're not trying to spread out minutes with just Nasir and just with Cam. You've got other guys that have proven that, hey, they can kind of slide into that role, which I think makes that case that, hey, okay, we've got options now on the perimeter that maybe we didn't know we had. So if the guys in the post aren't carrying their weight, well, now we've got Cam and Nasir who can both maybe play the foursome. Uh, and so I think you know, there's a lot that goes into that. The other component, too, is and Roy touched on this um, after the game against St. Francis, is that you know, this time of year, in, in these kind of games where you're winning by 30, you know, he wants to play 10 to 11 guys to give guys opportunities. But once you get for sure into ACC play, that that rotation is going to condense, like Sherell said. And so some of those minutes uh, are going to be uh, squeezed down for guys on the fringe, but they're going to go up for guys like Little and, and Kobe and you know the, the rest of the starters. And so that'll be interesting to see exactly how that plays out. Uh, but, but for sure, I, I think if Garrison and, and Sterling don't show a lot of improvement, uh, those minutes will decrease. You know, we we all love uh, Ken Pomeroy, Ken Palm, and some of his advanced statistics and everything. And right now, Nasir Little is playing 32% of North Carolina's minutes at small forward. What's surprising is that Leaky Black is at 23% of North Carolina's small forward minutes. And then Nasir Little is at 14% of the power forward minutes. And as uh, Ross said, that's going to increase, you know, moving forward. And Cam Johnson's at 28% between small forward and power forward. So I, I think that kind of shows you that, you know, now that North Carolina, I think Roy Williams feels a little bit better about Leaky Black than maybe anticipated. That moves everything down and gives them another player so they can kind of rearrange the depth chart, so to speak. So I think Nasir Little at the four is a tremendous thing for North Carolina because it is much like we talk about Luke May at the five in that, um, yeah, there might be some defensive issues. Uh, you know, it, it might be a little tougher on him defensively, but offensively, you know, Luke May at the five was kind of a juggernaut. And, you know, it's I think it's going to continue that way because the fives are usually too slow to, to defend him. He just takes him out to the three-point line. For Nasir, it's going to be the same thing where he can even post fours and, you know, have a quick move and get by him, or he can take him off the dribble. Um, and he's a really good offensive rebounder, as he's shown. So, all that stuff is going to start to kind of, you know, work itself out here in the next week or so. Hey, Sherell, quick question. You covered Leaky Black's recruitment. Did you kind of see this coming or is Leaky Black's kind of you know, above average play, 13 minutes, 4.6 points, 3.6 rebounds, 1.6 assists? You know, did you see this coming as quick as uh, as quick as it happened so far for, for, for Leaky and UNC? Um, not this quick. I, I think what was um, always known about Linky is that he's a very smart player um, that because he's played point guard pretty much his entire life, um, he had those instincts and that um, me and Tommy always talk about this, that he was never going to be a net negative. So he was never going to come into the game, have a whole bunch of turnovers, um, you know, take a whole bunch of ill-advised shots or anything like that. He's always going to make the right pass. Um, he has really good vision. He's just a very sound player. I know that sounds um, not like a compliment almost. It almost sounds like, oh, he's not dynamic. He's sound. But for him, it, it's, it, it really helps because he's played with great players over the last four years. I mean, he's played with R.J. Barrett. He's played you know, at some of those guys at Mount Verde. He's played with Wendell Moore at uh, Cox Mill. He's played with Kobe White 
on CP3. So he has a whole bunch of experiences playing with talented players. And I think that's helped him tremendously. And then, you know, um, being committed to UNC for so long, actually, I think is a positive for him too, because um, he felt more integrated into the system than I think some of the other freshmen the last few years have. Yeah. And I think the fact that I think Roy Williams really likes him, he's kind of becoming like a teacher's pet in that essence as well. Certainly doesn't hurt the amount of time he'll get uh, this season moving forward. And, my thing with Leaky and Shrell's right, we talked a lot about that, and he knows how to be compliment, a complimentary player, and that's not a bad thing, I don't think. I mean, I, I think when you've got guys that are dynamic, Nasir Little, Kobe White, uh, those type guys, if you can come in, and Greg, I want to hear your thoughts on Leaky, when you can come in and just sort of blend in and facilitate and and – you know, do what you're supposed to do, not be that ne- negative. I mean, I think that's a really good thing, especially for a guy, if you're talking about a freshman class with little uh, black and white, that nobody talked about leaky black except the hardcore people on, you know, inside Carolina and on UNC basketball message boards. Yeah, and it's, you know, the, the, the role player aspect is such a, a critical dynamic and – uh you know, I'm I'm not going to mess this up like Coach K did talking about Beyonce and and Destiny's Child the other day, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if y'all caught that. That was that was quite hilarious. Um, but if if you look at what North Carolina has done over the years with some of their recruits, like in the McDonald's All America game, uh, a lot of times those guys don't have big splashy games, and they kind of just blend in because that's not necessarily their scene. And that kind of speaks to kind of what Leaky Black is and. Uh, Roy likes that type of player, and it's kind of like kind of like Sherelle said. You 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 don't want it to sound like a, a negative because it's not what it is. It's just guys understand that there are jobs to do on the court that benefit the team, and so you you kind of fill that role, uh, and over time your role uh, likely will grow. And I, I think you know, Kenny Williams is a great example of that. I mean, right? There were times early in his career was if his shot was not falling, uh, then he kind of vanished. You didn't see a whole lot out of him. Well, this year's a great example. I mean, his shot's not falling, but yet Roy Williams, it seems like every press conference opens by talking about how well Kenny played. Uh, and so you learn that over time, but when you get these kids that can come in and can, can make plays and not make mistakes uh, and just kind of do the right things, that opens up opportunities for all these other guys on the team. Uh, and so you, you can, you can, you can benefit the team by just doing the small things and doing exactly what you're supposed to do without forcing the issue. And Leakey's done that incredibly well early. And guys, now I want to talk about Heels Travel. Heels Travel is a valued IC podcast sponsor. They've been with us for a couple of months now, and they've received rave reviews for a travel package set up for the UNC Cal game. And right now they're really pushing the game and the game travel package for UNC versus Kentucky in Chicago in the CBS Sports Classic on December 22nd. That deal includes airfare to and from Chicago from RDU, transportation to and from the airport, and two nights stay in the Omni Chicago Hotel right on Michigan Avenue in the heart of Chicago. To call 336-855-0060 or visit, visit heelstravel.com. Obviously a great matchup, UNC versus Kentucky. It's the same hotel that UNC basketball team will be staying in. It's a pretty good price, only six 
79 for all that airfare, all that transportation to and from the airport, airport and the two-night stay in the Omni Chicago, which is a pretty big-time hotel. We call those the, the Tommy Ashley hotels. <laughs> um, the uh, So it includes all that stuff. It's a great deal. It's a great chance to see your Tar Heels play a big-time opponent on a big stage and explore a really cool city right around Christmas time. So call 336 855 0060 for that deal or visit heelstravel.com to book today. And we just talked about Leaky Black and, and Kenny Williams some. And I know we've talked a little about the freshman, but one thing I'm kind of waiting for, and I'd like to get kind of a discussion going on this, is, is when are we going to see a big-time breakout game from Nasir Little and Kobe White? I think in one of these bigger, high-profile games that are coming up, you're going to see a big-time Break. I think we haven't seen that yet from both those guys, and I think they have it in them. Um, I don't know if a, if a game against Texas, Michigan State, UCLA, Michigan, Gonzaga, Kentucky, one of those big games, but I think when the competition kind of raises, those two guys have that kind of dog in them that I think will have a breakout game, and I think that's what a lot of UNC fans are kind of waiting for, to really see Kobe White and and little flash their talent. I would love to see what kind of uh, Shrell and, and Greg think about that. I, I think that's a good point. Um, Roy Williams talked about this freshman class. He talked about how uh, willing they were to listen to what he says, but also how competitive competitive they were. We got that word not just from Coach Williams, but from you know sources around the program and different people who know those guys. Um, that's something that always stuck out. I think for the North Carolina fans, they saw it with Nasir during the McDonald's All-American game. Um, but you could see it during his high school game. Same thing with Kobe. Um, but, you know, I'm not – I know some people – and I'm, I'm switching a little bit. I know some people are kind of worried about Kobe or kind of thinking, hey, what's going on? I'm going to read something to you. So this is the year 2013, <laughs> and this is uh, Marcus Page. So these are his – the turnover numbers from his first five games. So his first game, he had four. His second game, he had three. His third game, he had five. His fourth game, he had three. And his fifth game, he had two. Now, that competition wasn't <laughs> – I, I wouldn't say it was better than what uh, Kobe White has faced so far. Uh, Page's first five games were against Gardner-Webb, Florida Atlantic, Long Beach State, Mississippi State, and Butler. Now, Butler was a good team. Carolina lost that game. Um, but it just goes to show, you know, no matter how good of a player you are, or how good of a player you end up at North Carolina, if you're a point guard, you're going to struggle initially. It's just the way it is, you know. And I think uh, Kobe actually, to me, is kind of ahead of schedule of where a lot of these uh, guys who get the ball from day one are. So not worried about Kobe at all. Um, not worried about Nasir at all. I think he understands what his role is right, ne- right now, and he knows that his role is going to increase as the season goes along. And uh, I-, I think you'll see one or two of those guys definitely against either Texas or Michigan State or UCLA, or, uh, UCLA um, have that big 15, 20-point game that kind of says, hey, I'm here and I'm here to stay. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I anybody think like- should be worried at all about Kobe White or Nasir Little at this point. I mean, we're five games in. I, I do think you have to look at their their talent potential. And I don't understand how, understand how anybody can look at Little and say, okay, this guy's not going to be dynamic. He's not going to be the best athlete on the floor most nights um, and all that comes with that. And then Kobe, I mean, he has a gear that we have not seen at, at point guard in a long time. 
And is he a little bit wild? Yeah, Roy Williams told us he's going to be wild. I mean, that's part of the, the deal. That's why he's playing so much is he's got to work through that. But the guy can shoot. He's got good vision. And he can move. And so those are things that you can certainly build upon. And it's just a matter of whittling away some of the extraneous stuff. It's not like he's limited and you're trying to coach him up to make up for those deficiencies. So I don't think anybody at this point in the season uh, should be making a big deal about you know having concerns. I think I understand that people do that, but I don't, I don't think it makes a lot of sense this early in the year. Yeah, I think I, I completely agree. And I think, um, you know, just talking, me and Tommy have talked about this before, but the reason you play Kobe now is to get those kind of, um, those bumps, you know, in the road, kind of get him over those because his ability to score when it's a half court game, when it's, you know, 65, 64, and there's only 61 possessions in the game or something crazy, he has the ability to knock down shots, to get in the lane, to finish himself or to dish off to a teammate that really, is unique on this team. And so um, you get him ready now so he can do that later, because if he doesn't get this time now and kind of get a, a good lather in, he's not going to be able to do it in February. So I think that's why um, Roy Williams is kind of making sure that um, Kobe has all the confidence in the world. He's not really saying anything to him. He's just saying, you know, keep running faster, you know, keep doing what you're doing and uh, it'll pay off. And I think that's why um, he's being very patient with him. Sherelle, you mentioned that patience, and Ross, I was going to ask you, I mean, we've seen in the past guys that are that play a little out of control or, or do some kind of shake-your-head, scratch-your-head type plays. Roy Williams seems, as Sherelle talked about, totally content with that and totally content with Kobe White getting it done. I mean, that's that's certainly different, a different Roy Williams maybe than we've seen in the past. Yeah, I kind of knew where you're going with that because you, you do see him kind of going full speed head first into the lane with not really a plan of where the ball is going. That's happened multiple times, usually in the first half, and it has resulted in turnovers. And yeah, and you don't see Roy bringing that up much or, or, or yanking him out of the game. So I think he, yeah, kind of like Sherelle has, Sherelle said, he knows what he has, and he knows that it can be very special uh, in, in maybe a couple a couple weeks or with a little bit more experience. And he doesn't want to restrain his, um, you know, his speed and how fast he goes and how aggressive he is. You don't want to put a leash on that. You want to let that, you know, let that wild dog go. And so that's probably the coaching mentality there is that you don't want to hold him back by, you know taking away any of his creativity and freedom and, and limiting his speed. You want to encourage that and just hope that better decision-making comes um, with more experience and, and with, you know, more tape review and all that kind of stuff there. So it is interesting to point out that Roy's being very loose with, with Kobe White, kind of knowing that he's a special player and that he'll, he'll figure it out with, with what he understands kind of some of the things he did in high school uh, against the competition he played in high school. He can't do at this level, especially not in the games that are, are coming up for UNC in, in the next couple of weeks. It's a great point, and it's fascinating to watch because, yes, Kobe White is going to be a good one. He is as fast as anybody since Lawson, and Coach Williams is just, like, cool with it. Uh, I mean, I think it's a great <laughs> yeah. thing. 
that uh, he can get the bumps, get all the kinks out now um, because, like we talked about, schedule gets ridiculous. Greg, I do want to ask you about Kenny Williams, and then, Sherelle, I want your comments too because uh, Kenny's your guy, and rightfully so, but looking at the stats thus far this season, three for 20 behind the arc, nine for 32 overall. That's 28% from the field, 15% from three. Is there anything that you see watching Kenny Williams that maybe has him off a little bit to start the season? Now, we've already talked about he's doing other things, 22 assists, only seven turns. So he's getting it done. Uh, six steals go with that as well. So he's getting it done in other places. But shooting-wise, anything you've noticed or seen maybe that may be an issue or something that's cropped up since last season? No, not really. I, I just think Kenny's a streaky shooter. And it just so happens that to start this year, uh, that's that's been somewhat of an issue for him. And I, I think you also kind of have to look at uh, you know, some of these games, he hasn't attempted a lot of shots. Uh, and I think part of that is just because there's so much offensive firepower around him. And maybe that plays a role into it where you know, he's, maybe he's not getting as many looks as he got at certain times last year. And so he's unable to find a rhythm. And there's all kinds of little things like that. But I, I think it really just comes down to the fact that Kenny's a streaky shooter. Um, it hasn't fallen for him quite yet. But, you know, as you mentioned, the fact that he has contributed in so many other ways uh, keeps him engaged. And I, I just think uh, you know, eventually it's going to start falling for him. Agreed 100% with Greg. Um, not not to give you story time, but back when uh, North Carolina was recruiting Kenny Williams, um, we weren't sure if, you know, Coach Williams was going to offer him if they really wanted him. So we were watching in Augusta. We were actually there for Idris uh, Bam Adebayo. They played together on Boo Williams that summer. And Kenny Williams, Roy Williams is there watching. Kenny Williams hits a three from the corner. He comes down, draws a charge. He comes down the next possession, hits another three. And he did nothing else the entire game. And so we were like, well, did he do enough? And for me, you know, me and Ben were talking, Ben Sherman, who's the editor of Inside Carolina. And really, that's what you need from him is to hit the occasional three, um, especially when you're open and play good defense and kind of just dive all over the court. He's been very loose with his body this year. I feel like he's on the floor every other possession, diving or you know, trying to get a loose ball or jumping over someone or crashing into somebody. Um, so I, I just think it's funny because here we are four years later and he's shown throughout his career, like uh, Greg said, that he's a streaky shooter. His first season, he didn't play much. Yeah, I think he was uh, one for 13 from three and that one came in the ACC tournament. His sophomore year, he didn't shoot great and then he got injured and missed the last half of the season. Last year, he had a streak. We've talked about it so many times. I think it was in January or February where he didn't hit much for a few games, but overall, he was at 40%. So I think um, it just, like Grace said, it just happens. You know, he has times where he'll make everything and then he has slumps. And maybe it's fortunate for Carolina that this year just happens to happen at the beginning of the season. Ross, MVP thus far. Cam Johnson, right? Gotta be, right? That's Everybody easy, agree? That's an easy answer. Yeah, and, and yes. I think I didn't touch on this earlier, but Luke May has kind of had a, a quiet season as well. So you got Kenny Williams and even Luke May is, I think, second on the team in scoring. But it seems like he hasn't had a huge season to start, neither has Kenny Williams. But yeah, Cam Johnson, by far, he's playing awesome offensively. 
Yeah, to, to Ross's point, Luke and Kenny both struggled early against St. Francis. And North Carolina still easily uh, you know, got up to the 90s and over 100. So I think that speaks to the firepower. You know you're going to get consistent play out of those guys. Uh, they're going to have off nights. But you know, if they can have off nights and you can still you know, post a, a decent win, I think that speaks volumes about the offensive potential of this team. Shrill. It seems like the team – it seems like the teams they're playing this year are particularly bad. Tennessee Tech, Elon, St. Francis seem like particularly awful this year. I don't know. Maybe that's just my what I think. It's, uh, it's, they're it's not good. They're not good. But Wofford and Stanford are okay. But, yeah, Tennessee Tech's probably one of the worst teams they've played in a number of years. Yeah, that was some brutal basketball to watch uh, the last couple of ball games. Sherelle, Luke May's been quiet this year. He's uh, averaging 15 and 9. <laughs> that's quiet huh i yeah, mean that's uh how crazy is it and it still boggles my mind that we <laughs> we're talking about this guy he's averaging 15 and 9 he's like yeah he's, he's been kind of quiet this season yeah, I mean, what's, he shoot, what's he shooting from three though he's shooting 30.8 percent from three. Oh yeah that's that's not a good sign and it, go ahead well in that regard give me some negatives because we're talking about all the positives and uh we got to be fair and balanced on this podcast. So Sherelle, you go that not a good sign is some of the shooting marks are, are a little down for comfort. Yeah. The, the shooting marks are down. And I think some of that is just the normal um, kind of North Carolina thing in November, December, because, you know, this isn't an, it's not a negative at all, but Williams does play 11 or 12 players in November. And sometimes it can be hard to kind of get in a rhythm. I know Theo Pinson was one that we always talked about that the more he played, the better he shot, um, especially his, like, you know, his uh, freshman and sophomore seasons. And then it, you know, it kind of changed as he got older. Um, so I think that's part of it. Just, you know, learning teammates, learning um, how to get the ball to someone in a certain spot where they like the spot, um, you know, the, the, the touch on the pass that a specific person likes in a certain area. So all those things will work themselves out um, as the season goes along. But that, that is concerning because if North Carolina runs into a, a team that zones, they're a very good passing team, but you do have to take some threes uh, against the zone. So that, that might worry um, Carolina fans a little bit. And then we talked about it at the beginning. Um, they have not been stellar on defense uh, that much this season. And considering the opponents um, that they played, I think, I would say I've been kind of disappointed in their defensive effort overall. Um, and then I would say that too, sometimes they're, even though it ends up, you know, they're 53 rebounds to 36, it seems like it ends up every game, but sometimes they are a little casual um, on the boards and, and, you know, with Roy Williams, those two things just won't fly. Ross, your take on any negatives you've seen thus far. Can't be the same ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cheryl just touched on a bunch. Um, Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like I said, I've been kind of disappointed by the by Sterling Manley's performance. Um, but I think you saw him being a little more aggressive uh, in the last two games. I believe gotten more chances there. Um, and what and that, what's another thing that's kind of weird is is that you know kind of uh, Leaky Black's taken over, you know, playing a lot more than Brand Robinson, and Andrew Playtech. And you would you would thought that Robinson Playtech would be getting more minutes. And kind of emerging as that really steady backup at the at the two and three spots, um, 
but Leaky Blacky, Ble- Leaky Black's emergence, and of course Nasir Little as well, um, have kind of taken more of the minutes there. So just some of the guys that you thought were going to have more of a breakout early part of the year haven't had that, and maybe that's just lack of minutes. Um, but you, you you like to see those guys see more time and see what they can do against these lesser opponents. Good points there, Greg. One thing that's interesting to me: we talk about playing a bunch of bunch of guys. I think all sixteen guys on the roster have scored at least one point. I mean, that's insane. I, I'd wager there's not another team in America that can roll out sixteen guys that can score a point. But Greg, your thoughts on uh, what con- what concerns you see, especially coming up, starting with Texas and rolling on this difficult stretch. Well, I think 15 players scored in that Elon game, and the only guy that didn't was Walker Miller because he wasn't dressed. So, uh, <laughs> it's just crazy that. to me. Yeah, that is crazy. Uh, I, I think I, I think we've kind of overlooked it because we we talk so much about uh, Nasir Little and Cam Johnson and their ability to play at the four, uh, but I really think Roy Williams had high hopes for Garrison Brooks and Sterling Manley. And I don't think those guys have kind of met that mark yet. Um, he, he, I don't want to say he seemed disappointed, but certainly did not seem uh, very positive about their development multiple times throughout the preseason, almost as if he kind of expected those guys to take a, a bigger step forward. There's still plenty of time for them to make those strides, but in watching them through five games, you know, there hasn't been that uh, – distinct jump forward like you see some guys make you know, garrison is playing better uh, he's gotten stronger defensively which helps and manley's you know, a little bit more polished uh but there's you know he's still the instinctual parts of the game are, are lacking a little bit for him he's still like a split second slow on a on a lot of critical plays uh and so i, I think i think that has potential to be problems for unc one thing kenny williams talked about after the game the other night was that when you get into these games against you know, Texas and Michigan State, possibly, and Gonzaga for sure, those are going to be physical games. And that's going to be something new for the freshmen for sure. Uh, but those are the types of games where you know, North Carolina had problems last year. And you need to have big guys in the post who can bang, who can provide a physical presence, uh, so you're not kind of getting pushed around, especially on the glass. We know how that turned out against A&M last year. We've talked about that all offseason. But what happens when North Carolina gets in those games where they need to go big? They need Luke May at the four, and they need Manley or Brooks to really play strong at the five. That doesn't mean they need to you know, be providing double-doubles. But they need to be efficient and you know, take up space and play good defense and those types of things. There will be those types of games coming up. And so I think we're going to learn a lot about uh, kind of the weaknesses of this team. Uh, we, we've touched on all the positives, like you said, Tommy. Uh, but that is kind of the one area, while we can talk about small ball all we want, and it's fun, and they score, and they're efficient, but sometimes you have to be able to be physical, be big, and play like Roy Williams likes to play. North Carolina failed to do that last year, uh, and we'll have to see if they can they can make amends with that this year. Every, every, good, every good UNC team has a dominant offensive big man. You know, all the good teams, 05, Sean May, 09, Hansborough, 2012 with Henson and Zeller, and then, uh, what's that, and what, 17, 16 and 17 Six. with Bryce Johnson. 
16 with Bryce Johnson, Kenny Meeks, and Isaiah Hicks, and, and 17. They have to – all the really good teams have, like, a dominant rebounder and a, a guy can, you know, go get you 20 points on, on any given night. And I don't know if this team has that. That's a, a great point. We'll find out. Sherelle, be the reasonable spokesman to the folks listening to this podcast. Uh, over the next stretch, and you're right, the schedule is weird, uh, four games in December, but leading up to ACC play on January the 5th at Pitt, what's a reasonable expectation for this Tar Heel team to be um, staring at record-wise January 5th? Um, I think the I think the chances are pretty high they'll drop a couple games, and that's again that's not because they're not going to be a good team or you know because Roy Williams is a bad coach or anything like that. It's just you know North Carolina typically drops a couple of games in November and December, and a lot of that has to do with they're playing really good teams. I mean Gonzaga, I'm looking forward to watching Gonzaga in Arizona tonight, um, just to get a feel for um. You know, Gonzaga's size, their skill over their talent, because they are ranked number three in the country. And I think they're kind of uh, going under the radar. Um, at Michigan is a very difficult game. They have probably the best win of the season when they just obliterated Villanova um, at Villanova. And, you know, Kentucky, for all that happened um, that first game of the season, they still have a lot of talent. And to Greg's point, they have a lot of size. And so North Carolina struggled last year with Travis Reed. Um, and, you know, he's at Kentucky now and he's got a little more help than he did at Stanford. So that's something to look out for too. So I, I, you know, I think, I think there's definitely a chance that they, um, I think they'll definitely lose at least one. There's a chance for two. I would be um, surprised and, um, you know, just thoroughly surprised if they went through undefeated uh, before ACC play. And that's, that's much. I just think that's what will happen. Let's go around and predict uh, of the, the next four games. Who's going to – what's the record going to be? What's it going to be versus Texas, Michigan, Gonzaga, and Kentucky? Those four games, um, what the record's going to be for UNC? I'll start. I'll say when they beat Texas, I believe that they've beaten Texas. <laughs> I mean, they always struggle with Texas. I know nothing about Texas this year. So I may be proven wrong, but I think Michigan State will be tough. Um, but I think a definite loss at Michigan – Okay. Uh, Gonzaga's going to be tough at home. I think they'll beat Kentucky in Chicago. Greg? They beat Gonzaga? I think they uh, – it'll be tough. I don't know if they – I don't know. <laughs> I'll do like Sherelle's doing. I'll watch Gonzaga after we record this podcast. I've got, I've got right, a feeling – What do you North got on Car- those games? I've got a feeling North Carolina's going to have a really good week in Vegas. I think they win the Las Vegas Invitational. Um, I think Gonzaga uh, is the real deal. I may be proven wrong shortly after this podcast. Um, but I think North Carolina probably loses to Gonzaga. And then I think that Kentucky game is going to be a barn burner. I, th- I think Carolina will probably win that one. But I, I think uh, – I, I guess I skipped over Michigan. I, I think North Carolina probably loses up there. So uh, what's that? That's 3-2 and two and toss in a, a win over Wilmington. And that gets you to yeah, that's lo- losing to um, Michigan and Gonzaga. Ross, your thoughts as we close it? Yeah, I mean, I think you know playing at home against Gonzaga gives them a pretty good chance in that game. I think they do beat Kentucky. Kind of go in reverse order here. Um, I think they do lose at Michigan. Michigan killed Villanova, and just at home, that's gonna be a rowdy environment. 
uh, all the kids coming back from Thanksgiving break. Um, yeah, I think they win both in Vegas. No reason not to think that. But, yeah, they may get exposed. I think Texas is a pretty good team. They return a lot of players. I think they returned the majority of their leading scorers outside of Mo Bamba from last season. Um, and I don't really know too much about Michigan State or UCLA right now, but those are two good teams. So I won't be surprised if they lose one of those two games. Um, but I think, you know, Gonzaga would be a very competitive game that the Heels I mean, that'd be an awesome atmosphere there. I know Greg's pumped to cover that game. It is uh yeah. I I'll be glad to take y'all's press pass for the Gonzaga ball game if y'all need somebody to step in for you. It's gonna be a crazy stretch. I mean, not too many teams play outside of tournament ball and even in the NCAA tournament, you're not gonna play a stretch that North Carolina's looking at over the next uh, two, three weeks. But we'll talk about it to plenty. Ross and Greg, I know you'll be in Vegas. Uh, sending us back reports. Sherelle, you and I will do a few post-game podcasts, but that's do it for this one. Boys, I appreciate you joining me. Appreciate you being patient as we stepped on each other a little bit in the roundtable format, but it is what it is, and folks still love us. Y'all boys, take it easy. Tommy. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. 